Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about video testimonials, how you can film yours and increase sales. I love this topic and I'm excited to discuss it with Joel Clattel. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, we discussed a little bit because of Friday. Yeah. Uh, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about video testimonials for B2B. Sure. So uh, I run a company called Case Study Buddy and we work with B2B companies pretty exclusively on customer success stories. And part of that is written assets, but a big part of that is video assets as well. The two really go hand in hand. And when you have the attention of the customer, there's a huge opportunity to capture both. So we've been around for over six years. It became my full-time focus last year. We've been really focused on growing and scaling there. And prior to that, I worked in conversion copywriting. So uh, helping companies get more people to take action with their collateral, with their websites. And so some of the lessons that I learned working on that side have played into how we do things on uh, customer testimonials and, and case studies today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice. Love it. Love it. Okay. Can you tell uh, where to start? For example, if uh, I need uh, to get these testimonials, uh, what I need to do first? To ask my customers, to film myself, to cooperate with uh, partners, uh, tell your insights how to create the strategy of uh, filming testimonials. Yeah, I think the, the toughest thing is that for most companies, you know, they there's what they can do now and then there's what they should do in the future. Um, the success of getting buy-in, I mean, before you can film the thing, you have to have permission to shoot it. You have to have customers willing to take part. You need to have an idea of what the story is that you want to capture uh, is going into that so that you're not just kind of blindly stumbling into whatever they share. You, you want to have a plan. Part of that plan is sort of laying the foundation of who's going to make the ask inside my organization, how are they going to make the ask, and how are they going to set the right expectations for that customer. That's really important because you want to make sure that they're comfortable, that they know what to expect, especially when it comes to video, the ask is pretty big. You're asking someone to get on camera and to talk to you. You're asking someone to endorse you in that way. So you want to make sure they have a good sense of what that process is going to look like. If it's shooting remotely, what's involved? What steps are going to happen? What types of things might they be asked? If it's going to be shot on location, that's even bigger of an ask. And so there's a lot of coordination that would need to go in. So mm -hmm. before you rush off to push record and, and do any of that, go in with the plan, make sure you have a really well-developed process and then be intentional about who you're asking and why. So internally, there should be some business or revenue goal you want these stories to support. You should be intentional mm -hmm. about who you're asking because you want them to have stories that will support not only you know, a, a great metric or a great win or a nice story, but support where you're headed, your business goals, the things you as a business want to be able to say and emphasize about what you're doing. Nice. Love it. Uh, can you tell, for example, how to uh, provoke, stimulate, or what kind of benefits I need to tell to my customers to film? video testimonials because uh, for example uh, i often see when customers have their issues you know uh, they have uh, many other things to do uh, and uh, they're busy you know <laughs> on their lives processes what kind of benefits can i give them is it good to 
uh, tell, okay, if you film testimonial, I can provide some discounts or anything else or any other benefits. How to provoke this feeling, you know, to film this testimonial? Yeah, incentives and benefits are great, but they're kind of just one part of the solution. And like you said, there's things that you can entice them with. You could offer them, depending on your service model, you could offer them a bit of a discount for taking part, or you could incentivize them by offering them a gift card or something for their time. Whatever you're offering should be something that's meaningful to them. If they value their time, maybe it's compensating their time. If they value your platform or your service, maybe it's offering more of that. Uh, that being said, the biggest barrier to getting someone to take part is not just what incentive there is in the here and now, it's everything that comes before that. So for example, you are, every time you ask someone to take part in this, you are quite literally asking them to do you a favor. And the context around that favor is going to inform how willing they are to do it. Is the request coming from someone they know and they like and they have a relationship with? Or is it coming from a perfect stranger? That makes a big difference because let's say that your uh, customer success team is the one making the ask, but your sales reps are the ones who've worked most closely with the customer or your account reps. There's a disconnect there. The customer success team might seem like, well, I've never heard of this person. I don't feel like doing them a favor, but I know, you know, Mike over in accounts, why isn't he the one asking? So part of it is about making it familiar, making it comfortable, but also a big part of getting them to take part really is, yes, there's that incentive piece and, and how you can incentivize them there, but it really is about two things. Number one, convenience making sure that they know and understand what to anticipate and that they know and understand it's not going to take a huge amount of their time. Um, so showing them, hey, there are clear steps. There is a clear process. This is only going to take half hour or an hour total. There's huge, huge safety in that. The, the other side of it is making it safe to share. So letting them know, for example, hey, you're going to have the ability to review the cuts before they go live. We're going to make any edits that you're asking for in terms of keeping things in, taking things out. Just creating that convenience, that safety can be as much of an incentive or as much of a barrier if it's not there to having the wrong incentive or no incentive ball. So oftentimes you won't even need to incentivize them if you've laid the groundwork very well up front. They're happy to do it as long as they feel like their time and their opinions and their statements are respected. Yeah, valuable. Uh, I have the question about fake testimonials. For example, if you go to Fiverr, you can find a bunch of content creators who can film a testimonial for you, you know, without uh, consuming your products. What do you think about this one? It's a good idea uh, to uh, film fake testimonials, uh, how it can impact uh, results, or it's better to be transparent to find real customers. Because, you know, the reason why I'm asking about that, because people uh, still uh, order such services, uh, uh, create fake testimonials, and uh, it doesn't feel, of course, like uh, real uh, cooperation. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think it's a huge waste of budget and time um, for, for multitude reasons. I mean, when what you're really doing is robbing yourself. Um, when you have the opportunity to get a true and authentic customer story, you benefit more than just by the end asset that you publish. There's all kinds of learning that comes out of that conversation with them about what attracted them to you, what brought them in, what do they love, what do they hate what differentiated you from another solution. You completely rob yourself of the opportunity for that learning when you just go pay a total stranger to make something up. 
I think the thing is too, people have gargantuan BS detectors. You might think you're fooling someone and maybe if it's a hard product, right? Like let's say you sell shoes or whatever, that might be easy to fake a testimonial about. But let's say that you sell software or you sell to a, a market that has specific language or a market that has specific needs. The, whatever that person says, because it's not a true experience, it's not going to land for someone who actually has a real experience. I think, yes, you can beef up your count of video testimonials or you can beef up the volume of the assets you have by going that road. But ultimately, you're cheating yourself out of real conversations. I think your customers are going to largely see through it. And people are not stupid. I, if the same person's <laughs> face is showing up in multiple places for testimonials ranging from, let's say, bras to enterprise software to, you know, uh, let's say a location specific service, all of this. Is it likely someone could be interested in all those things? Well, well sure, but it's, they're, they're going to figure it out pretty fast. So I don't think it's a valid tactic. I think ultimately you're trading off actual value for something cheap and, and that's not really going to benefit you in the same way. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, I agree with that. So just uh, guys, don't waste your time uh, by ordering such services because you, okay, le uh, let's imagine you can uh, cheat uh, one customer. But you can cheat uh, 10 others, you know, and uh, you can uh, decrease your reputation uh, by trying to manipulate uh, their opinion. So, yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, let's talk about uh, preparation. For example, if customers are ready to film testimonials, but they have no experience with that, you know, uh, uh, how to prepare them, how to tell them, okay, uh, just take your smartphone or any other gadget, you know, and uh, create uh, interesting video. Because, you know, for example, I usually cooperate with uh, great marketing experts, uh, well-known uh, marketing experts, and many of them, uh, you know, they speak on uh, the best conferences in the world. But, you know, when I ask them, okay, please film a video, they, okay, okay, let's do it. Let's, uh, I, I, and when they send low-quality video, for me, you know, <laughs> it's really hard to uh, provide any video editing to save this video because context is good. Uh, the value is good, but uh, video design is so bad. What do you think about uh, equipment and preparation for customers? Yeah, it really comes down to what your approach to securing video testimonials is. So for example, when we film video testimonials for customers, it's synchronous. It's not using a platform like say, uh, you know, video ask or just asking them to shoot it independently on their own. And that's largely for this reason. If that person is confident on camera, if they're good at providing a succinct answer, if they're in an environment that looks good, you might get some really great footage. But if they're not, they've now wasted their time and yours by filming something you ultimately can't really use. So when we shoot, and then I'll revisit how you can make your asynchronous a little bit better too. When we shoot, part of how we prepare is making sure that they have a resource ahead of time that sets out expectations or keeps a really short list of things that they should be thinking about. So for us, that might look like, hey, when it comes time to film, please choose a quiet location. Please try to be front lit, not back lit. So don't sit in front of a window. Um, please try to make sure that you are sitting in the center and that there's a little bit of space above your head, but not like this and not like that. <laughs> so to, to illustrate that, we'll use visuals. We'll either send a short video that just in 30 seconds shows them, here's what a great setup looks like and here's what a bad setup looks like, or just some written steps or both. So 
you know, the, the big thing is don't overwhelm them with 90 things. Like make sure you wear black and not red and don't wear patterns and watch your hair. Like there's some things that with synchronous you can intervene with. So it's really about making sure the environment, the lighting, the framing, the audio are good. And for us, we do ship some gear that they get to keep. So we'll ship them a mic. We'll ship them a ring light. Uh, we'll, we'll ship them some things that we eat the cost of because we know the end product is going to be stronger. If you're not getting on a call with them, if you're not filming synchronously, if you are planning to use something like, you know, video ask or just ask them to film on their own phone, some of the same steps apply. So kind of letting them, here's what good framing looks like. Here's what good lighting looks like. But then because you're not there to intervene, you also need to tell them, try to keep your answers to, you know, two sentences or try to keep your answers to, you know, 15 seconds or whatever, so that you get those tight little snippets that work well on video. Because if you get someone who's doing what I'm doing right now, which is talking a lot and very long, that's not, it'll work well for a webinar. It'll work well for a podcast. It's not going to be the, the best thing to watch. The last thing I would say, and this is something that we learned is terrible audio, but great video is still a terrible video. Great audio, but mediocre video is still workable. You can still do something with it. So if you have to prioritize, focus on the audio. Because if you get great mm -hmm. audio, you, you still have options. You can introduce motion graphics or animations. You can come at it in a different way. But it doesn't matter how crystal clear the video is. If the audio is bad, the perceived quality is bad, the comprehension of what's being said is bad. So those are some of the things you can think about in terms of helping people prep and and. The last, last thing I'll say is don't be afraid to kind of give them a sense of what they're going to be asked or what type of insight you are looking for. Let them do a little prep on their own so that they come confident and ready to speak. Because if you get on an interview, you say, well, what's the impact of our solution been? And they go, uh, hmm, I need to look that up. That's, that's not going to be a great video. So you got to give them a little bit of homework in terms of the content as well. I don't know people in North Korea uh, had this opportunity or not. <laughs> Probably in the future they will have, but they like it. <laughs> okay, Joe, I, I have the question about the length. You mentioned about uh, the length, for example, on this webinar, we can share some value uh, during the way, like uh, around 40 minutes. What about testimonials? Uh, can you tell uh, the best practices of the lengths? Because, for example, when I check out new products, I usually have no time. But uh, I know uh, some of my friends, they like to watch more longer because they want to uh, learn more about the company, about the products, and then buy it. Uh, how to find this balance between different uh, customers, for example, who prefer uh, short videos, who prefer long videos, and to find this balance? Yeah, I think by default, you want to shoot for the biggest asset you can get, and then you have the opportunity to chop it into snippets or to give your customers the ability to navigate to the pieces of it that they are most interested in. I think what's really important with video that gets missed is the context that surrounds the video. You have other elements you can play with to bring meaning to that video or to help people understand and set the context for what they're about to watch. So giving the video a written headline on the page it's embedded in, for example, everything you need to know about, let's say case study buddy in 30 seconds or less. That lets me as a viewer know, okay, this is what I should anticipate from this video. Or let's say you filmed this longer interview and they had something really great to say about 
one particular part of your offering that is asked about all the time. Clip that piece out and now you can put that in other environments where someone with just that specific question or a lower level of awareness will find it and, and see that answer very succinctly. You also have the opportunity with different video tools, you can label different points in the video with what is being discussed. So that gives someone the opportunity to kind of choose their own adventure, even in a longer asset, they can navigate straight to the questions that they have or the things they're interested in. One of the byproducts of doing that, if you have analytics sort of set up for that, is you can see where people are skipping to and what might be of most interest. But really, I think in the end, it's not the dichotomy of, well, I have to produce one or I have to produce the other. Film as much as you can reasonably get while keeping it convenient, safe, you know, strong from your customer, and then cut it into snippets that are appropriate for the channel or the medium or the audience. If you're running something on social, uh, keep it short. If you're using an ad, turn it into a teaser. Take the best quote from the interview that will get someone interested and use that to drive interest into a larger asset. So go big and then chop it up. Uh, watch your analytics, see what people are interested in. And if all else fails, just try to think of the context that surrounds the channel, the medium, where that person is interacting so you can meet that expectation. But I don't think you have to do just one or the other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Let's talk about editing. Uh, for example, uh, you know, when I watch uh, testimonials, I, uh, you know, I want a transparency. And when I see just simple video without any editing, you know, it smells like real. Uh, someone took smartphone, uh, filmed this video, recorded. Uh, sounds great. But when uh, companies uh, use editing and provide a lot of uh, visual effects, for example, for uh, the same like for YouTube videos, I doesn't feel it's uh, honest video because uh, it's my feeling. I, I don't want to judge about anybody others. Uh, what do you think? Uh, uh, how to find this? balance between uh, editing testimonials yeah i think you're right in that i think certainly even through the pandemic it made the whole concept of a zoom call or facetime mm -hmm. or whatever more acceptable and i think there is something to be said for not worrying so much about having having everything so polished and so perfect that it doesn't feel genuine i think there's kind of a happy middle ground too you don't want something that's over edited, over produced. It, it doesn't come across genuine when someone's quote, for example, is stitched together or there's hard cuts or you feel like something's been omitted or taken away. That being said, you can introduce elements that let people know and actually aid in comprehension. So adding simple things like visuals to illustrate what that person is saying or lower thirds or small brand marks and elements those things don't get in the way of the story being told, but they do up that perception of quality or even help cognition. But I think the best thing is to find out what works best for your audience and your environment. What's their expectation? You may be totally fine to have something that is kind of rough shot, a little bit more raw, has that authentic feeling. Uh, or you might find that they actually respond better when there's been a little bit of uh, careful curation and intentional sort of polish you know, put on things, but not to the point that it's fake. I think the thing that's detrimental, though, is when something is totally raw and it's not touched at all, and it's 10 minutes long, and the person is long-winded in their answers, or it's visually difficult to look at, or the audio could have been you know, corrected a little bit or, or made a little bit better. Th there's a point on each side where it's either overproduced and feels fake, or it's way underproduced and actually becomes hard to look at or 
hard to watch or the message gets lost. So any editing you're doing, any polishing up that you're doing, do it with the intention of making the story easier to understand, easier to consume, easier to sort of illustrate. Uh, and I think you're okay, but you don't have to worry about every video you shoot looking like this super perfect, you know, on location shoot. Think about what your audience expects from you and, and how that's going to reflect on you and your brand. Yeah, love it, love it. Uh, okay, let's talk about another aspect that I think is very important. How to learn customers? Because you mentioned you need to test what your customers uh, can consume or love it. Uh, can you tell about learning customers? Because I, I often see when companies, they usually use uh, the average data from online tools, studies, uh, but uh, customers are different. You know, sometimes uh, uh, when uh, two different companies sell the same products, they have different customers because of their unique selling proposition. Uh, some company can have better price, others better service. It depends, unique selling proposition. Can you tell about learning customers? For example, I think uh, youngsters or young customers uh, prefer, I don't know, like... Uh, conversational format, <laughs> uh, more uh, adult audience, I don't know, they have some different pref preferences. Tell about your insights, how to learn customers and create the right testimonials. Yeah, I think before you sit down to shoot video or just start randomly testing formats, kind of analyze what happens in real life. When you're talking to customers, what's the cadence of that like? What expectations are they already bringing to those conversations? If you're a company with a sales team, ask them, you know, like, okay, how do your conversations differ based on demographic or region or, you know, what lands really well for say CMOs and falls flat for say CTOs? Cause we think about customers sometimes just in terms of age or region and that sort of thing. But even within, you know, I work a lot in B2B, even the different roles that you're selling into have very different expectations in terms of depth or quality or, whatever it might be, the details that they focus on, you know, a CEO might want something really succinct, whereas a CTO might want tons of details because, you know, there's a high, high stakes, high risk, um, you know, behind their decisions. So start with, with how those conversations look in real life and use that to kind of shape, okay, if we're trying to use that as a proxy for the video we produce, what do we think, what do we hypothesize might make the most sense in terms of bringing that across, even in terms of, you know, voice and tone, depending on, I mean, your brand should have a voice and tone, your marketing should have a voice and tone. But when you look at your audience, are they expecting you to be funny? Are they expecting you to be engaging? You know, like what, what expectations do they bring to when they watch? So start by looking at kind of those real world conversations, those real world interactions that you're having and do what you can to sort of mirror those in your early iterations and see how that lands. From there, it really just is about sort of testing and testing within context. Again, we have to keep in mind the context of where we are reaching people. If you're pushing a video to TikTok, for example, let's say your audience is there and you're, you're, you're trying to share customer testimonials there. What are the expectations of the platform and what are the constraints of the platform? You don't want to be producing a, a video that would work, you know, really well, a long form webinar style on a platform like TikTok. Or if you're, you know, thinking about, okay, well, we're pull, pulling someone in from an ad. It's a cold ad. They're coming into a landing page. They want, you know, all the information they need in as short a window as possible because they're essentially window shopping. You can use that as a barometer to kind of inform. And then over time, it really does just come down to, okay, we've, we've got a good hypothesis. 
we've put these things out there. We're now watching the analytics. We're looking at the feedback. Now we're in a better position to intentionally test does longer or shorter work? Do these elements play better or worse? Now you've kind of got a good baseline you can measure against rooted in something other than just assumption. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I love it. You know, I, I like how you share a lot of insights <laughs> without stop. You can tell a lot. Uh, can, uh, I'm interested about the difference between B2B and B2C. Uh, because, you know, our main topic uh, to uh, film testimonials for B2B. Uh, but what is the main difference? How to differentiate them? Uh, for example, okay, if I have customers B2B in most cases, uh, how to create uh, testimonials that can satisfy B2B segment, not B2C? Yeah, a lot of it is rooted in, you know, what, what are they actively looking for and how complex is their buying decision? A lot of B2C, direct-to-consumer, it's one person making the call. There's there's not a lot of different roles you have to influence. In B2C purchases, people tend to be more receptive to, say, you know, wilder personalities or, uh, you know, you can, you can speak to them very much as individuals and their direct benefits from the product, and that doesn't feel weird. When it comes to B2B, what you're looking for in stories typically is depending on the complexity of the buying decision and their role in it, you want them to see themselves in the person being interviewed. You want them to see their pain reflected in the thing that person is talking about or their circumstance or their situation. Uh, that's where candidate selection on the B2B side becomes of critical importance because a lot of people, for example, they're like, oh, we got this amazing you know, testimonial from, from an enterprise company. It's the biggest company we serve. It's like, well, that's wonderful, but is that your typical customer? Is that the average account that you're going after? Is that the direction that you're growing into? Or is it just your biggest logo? You might be telling a story that feels unrelatable because someone might watch them and go, well, this enterprise had resources I don't, or you know, they have problems I won't, or my problems at the stage I'm at are different from, from someone there. So we're B2C, the pain points and the benefits tend to be kind of more grouped around a little more similar from consumer to consumer. When it comes to B2B, they can vary from role to role. They can vary from company to company. You want to be very, very intentional about who you're putting on camera and, and what type of story you're trying to tell. But all of that said, really, at the end of the day, you're still selling to people. It's still an individual who wants to see themselves in that story, see their pain, their benefits, all of that reflected. So I think you need to keep that in mind for both. I don't think you can go wrong keeping that in mind for both. And when it comes to B2B, you know, just making sure that you're you're coming at it through a lens of you know, both personal and the business use case, both how it will benefit the individual narrow and how it will benefit the broader business initiatives or the business goals that other people in that buyer's know what buyers table or whoever uh, the other things they might be concerned about as well yeah valuable agree with that 100 percent because you don't sell companies you sell decision maker uh, who can transfer uh, all benefits to stakeholders and they will decide so yeah you need to uh, convince a person who who can convince others <laughs> okay uh, joe uh, you know i have one question that i can't avoid uh sorry for that because you know i can see uh some books on your background can you tell uh about your loving books because you know it's my passion to read books uh, to spend time with that i decided to uh quit watching tv you know many years ago and started to read more books can you tell what books you like and how they can help you to 
provide better services uh, with testimonials, for example? Yeah, I think one of the books that I really loved is Made to Stick. Uh, it talks all about making messages memorable and how you mm -hmm. can sort of get your ideas or the points you want to communicate to land and to stay with people and to get past their filters or, or get past their boredom. Uh, and so I found that, you know, in, in copywriting, I found that tremendously helpful, but it translates to video as well, especially when you're thinking about things like imagery you might use to complement or uh, footage you might shoot of, you know, how things happen, like analogies you might look for snippets. So Made to Stick is a book that I, I quite love. Um, I think on top of that, another book that I've really enjoyed is Alchemy by Rory Sutherland. Um, we tend to get stuck a lot in data and especially as marketers is what does the data support? What does the data say? What is, you know, and data is important. Data is valuable. Um, data is, is worth looking at, but data also has constraints. It can tell you what is, but it doesn't really tell you what could be. And so alchemy really looks at the need and importance for creativity. And it goes beyond just saying creativity is good or creativity is important kind of gets into how to rethink, unthink, you know, bring back those aspects into, I think, a marketing culture that's become over-reliant on charts and graphs and, and metrics and, and data. So those are two books that, you know, I, I really have enjoyed and taken lessons away from that I think have just applications across a really broad spectrum of whether it's video, whether it's written, whether it's just day-to-day -day communication. I think regardless, there's something to be had in those that will benefit you and and make you better at, you know, communicating things in a way that people care about. Yeah, got it. Guys, you need to read books. Uh, if you wanna improve your results because, you know, books are a foundation. Okay, uh, let's get back uh, to the testimonials. Uh, can you tell from your experience, what are common mistakes companies still do? Uh, it, probably obsolete, uh, it doesn't work today, uh, or it's just generic, boring, because, you know, uh, sometimes when I see boring content, uh, I can bounce for a few seconds. And it's not only about me. Uh, if I remember correctly, on YouTube, you can find information that 80% uh, of people can avoid for 20 seconds. Can you tell about retaining longer and common mistakes that uh, companies can do with testimonials? Yeah, I think common mistakes are not giving your video a hook. So for example, you want to think very carefully about what the first thing someone sees is and how long they see it. A lot of videos have very long introductions where it's two logos gently sweep in and then it takes a long time to actually get to any content, any story, any hook. And the logo itself is probably not the hook. Uh, so that, that's a pretty common mistake is not thinking carefully about those first few seconds, the impression created, the way you pull someone, you know, into the asset and into the video. I think a second one I mentioned earlier, but not giving your videos any context, just kind of slapping them up and going, well, someone will watch this now. You have other tools in your toolkit, be it headlines, be it summaries. You know, you, you really want written and visual to pull together and complement each other. Don't assume anyone will watch your video give people who are scanning who are reading use words to both set the context for and create incentives to watch the video create curiosity with the words that surround the video as well as the hook in the video itself and, and all the time we see companies just kind of slap things up 
I think a huge mistake in customer success stories as a whole is only thinking narrowly about what you're creating. I mentioned earlier, you know, you don't just have to create a short version. You don't just have to create a long version. Getting customers involved is hard. Getting people to take part in case studies and testimonials is difficult. There's a lot of heavy lifting. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. And if you go through that entire process and the only thing you produce is one video, one way shared in one place, you've robbed yourself of all kinds of ROI, all kinds of opportunities. So one of the mistakes is not having a plan going in for how are we going to repurpose this asset? Could we turn this into snippets for social? Could we create written versions of this? Could we have long form? Could we have short form? So a big mistake is not having a plan for that video. And then hand in hand with that is not considering. So you want to create context with the words and the other elements you have. But another big mistake is not considering the context of where the end asset is going to live. You need a different type of video for social than you need for, say, on a landing page. You might want a different type of video if you're doing cold outreach than you would for someone at a different stage of awareness. So thinking about, well, what is going to play best in the channel and what's going to play best for this awareness level and having a plan for that versus just getting on camera and hoping for the best. Be intentional about where you plan to use it, how you plan to use it, and use that to shape the questions you ask, the insights you look for, and the final formats that you'll build up. Yeah, yeah, love it. Okay, let's talk about uh, what must have you know, in film testimonials. For example, we discussed about mistakes, but what about must have uh, for any testimonial from your experience? I think it really helps to have, you know, I think you need to have someone who can first of all it sounds obvious but this is a common mistake so the two go ahead and have someone who can actually speak to the story of the impact a lot of times people don't think about who's actually going to be on camera like oh we got the ceo of the company awesome but the ceo doesn't actually have the most experience with the tool or the platform or, or the decisions that were made so you need to have someone who has firsthand experience with whatever angle of the story you're going to be driving at. I think you must have clear audio. I mentioned earlier, but it doesn't matter how good the picture looks. If the audio isn't there, the whole thing's a wash. You cannot save a video with poor audio. So you need to have a plan for making sure that audio is good and that it's going to come across really nice and clear. Uh, I think, you know, I would call it a must have is lower thirds, letting people know, hey, who is this person? What is their title? Even in a B2C environment, just having that person's name and immediately kind of letting people know, hey, who am I looking at? Who is this person? It's a small thing, but it makes a difference because names are important. It's one way that we humanize whatever we're, we're watching or whoever we see. We like to know, you know, and, and have answers to, okay, what is this per you know, who is this person? What is their relationship? So I would say, even if you're going for these kind of unpolished, you know, raw, authentic. I don't think it's too much to add that lower third of their name and their title just to give people kind of a visual reference to who they are. Uh, and then I would say great framing. So again, a video becomes immediately unwatchable if someone is up here or down here or mm -hmm. off to the side. So that's one of the critical things where it's just, it's a distraction. Yes, you can probably salvage a video where, you know, that that isn't totally perfect, but it's so easy to get right by giving some simple 
instructions, some simple visual aids that it's really, you know, it, it's not something you should be coming up against. I would say it's, it's a must have just in terms of it makes something so much easier to watch when you feel like that person is actively engaged and, and sort of intentional about where they are visually on, on the screen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, let's talk about, uh, you know, the power of uh, being yourself. Uh, let me tell uh, why I'm asking about that, because I often see when companies copy competitors, uh, you know, trying to replicate their successful videos. Uh, I don't know about testimonials, but uh, it's in most cases about content marketing. They create the same video, the same scenario, but they are trying, for example, if uh, uh, content creator is not funny, you know, serious, and uh, when he's trying to be funny, I'm, I'm not sure it's a good idea. Yeah, it's better to be yourself. You know, even serious people can provide high value, interesting engagement content, but uh, it's better to be yourself. Can you tell about being yourself in testimonials? Yeah, I think one of the things you have to think about is how do you turn your interviewee not into a performer, but into a storyteller? You're not mm -hmm. trying to make them anything that they're not. It's really difficult to make someone who you know, isn't funny, funny, or someone who uh, is inarticulate, articulate. And that that's where candidate selection is important too. If you have to kind of think about, is this person actually good on camera? But I, I think ultimately one of the critical things and why we, you know, for, for us anyways, why we like to do calls synchronously and have an interviewer is with video, a big part of it is getting that person to a point of comfort where they feel it's safe to be themselves, where they feel that they don't have to perform. They don't have to go over the top where they, they, they loosen up and they're able to just have a conversation. And so that's where, you know, if you're running things synchronously, it's about building rapport really fast. If you're interviewing that person, it's about taking some time in the beginning just to set the stage, make them feel comfortable, help them feel at ease and being complimentary about the things they're saying. One of the simplest tips for interviewing people is to be genuinely interested and complimentary. That's a great point. That's really interesting. Thank you for sharing that with me. Simple things like that help people feel like they're winning and help them feel more themselves, more confident, more able to be who they are. We can all tell when something is overacted or we can tell when someone is trying really hard to give that perfect soundbite. There's something about it that comes across inauthentic or just not it doesn't punch as hard as it could and i think the value as well is people have amazing things to say and they don't even know it just through the lens of their own experience the way they talk about it the way they come at it the way they discuss it that is valuable in and of itself so really i think helping your customers be themselves on camera is about setting the tone letting them know this is not an interrogation it's not a performance we're just having a conversation and, and talk to me about this as though you were talking to a friend. And that's also why, you know, if you're able to have someone who knows the customer make the ask instead of like, oh, my media department, that sets a different level of expectation. It creates a different sense of comfort as well. Yeah, nice, nice. Okay, I have the final question. Uh, let's imagine you started from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills. What will you do to learn more about video testimonials? I think the the first thing I would do instead of, you know, you can worry about the logistics and the format and that thing later, but what I wish more companies and more people and more individuals would do 
is spend more time if they're starting from scratch on the plan. Everything that happens before the cameras come on, before the interviews happen. I think the first thing that I would do would be to sit down and have an honest look at what are our goals? Who are we trying to reach? What do they actually care about? If you can get those things in check, those can help lay the foundation for, okay, these at least we now know, these are the types of stories that we're going to go out and intentionally pursue. And that gives a great backdrop for being intentional about asking instead of waiting for testimonials to come to you. A lot of companies rely on happy accidents, someone putting up their hand and saying, oh, I'm so happy. But if you know the kinds of stories you're looking for, if you know the people you're trying to reach, it's easier to democratize that across your team to say, hey, here's what we're on the lookout for. If you see a story like this in the wild, if you're connected to a client or a buyer who has something like this, would you put up your hand? Would you nominate them? And even just having that level of intention can get your internal team aligned. It can get your strategy aligned. And it means that the end products that you shoot or you publish will be better for it. The logistics, that stuff's hard. That takes figuring out. You're going to have to put in reps there anyways. But none of that's going to be meaningful if you don't go in with a plan in the first place. Yeah, nice, nice. Awesome. Uh, Joel, it's a big pleasure to get you on my show, to learn from you, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you, and other testimonial services. Sure, yeah. Uh, probably the best place to connect with me is on LinkedIn, just at Joel Kletke. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter as well. Uh, same thing, at Joel Kletke. If you want to check out some of the work that we've done uh, or our blog, we publish on this stuff all the time. In fact, I think we just set a post live this morning that deals with filming testimonials remotely. Uh, you can check out casestudybuddy.com. Um, and uh, yeah, I, th those are usually you know the places I'm most active and in, in where we're sharing what we're thinking, what we're learning, and examples of how our own work is hopefully improving and getting better as as we try new things and you know refine the way that we come at this i think the fun thing with video is that for as difficult as it is the work is never done there's always something new something different something exciting to learn and, and incorporate nice nice exactly yeah it's the same in marketing it's the same at any niche you need to develop innovate what you have because if you stop yeah you are in trouble <laughs> uh, i'm not sure that you can compete with others but yeah it's the way where we are going you know to develop innovate what we have uh joe it's a big pleasure again uh thank you for your time for all these valuable insights guys you need to follow joe you can find all these links in the description below listen to us on apple google spotify and see you next time thanks for listening to this entire podcast please rank your experience in apple spotify google or any other platforms that you may use also please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift we'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.